0: This is a big-timing comedy production.
1: Welcome backstage. Uh, I'm here to interview Black Sabbath. I'm a journalist.
2: VIP only. Groupies sleep with rock stars because they want to be near someone famous. We're here because of the music. We are band-aids.
3: Are you jumping or am I
4: under-medicated?
2: You're listening to Backstage Pass with Meredith Marks.
5: I'm with the band, okay?
3: Hey, looky here. We're in episode 17, and it is all about the Mandoki Soulmates tonight. Who, you ask? Well, it is this amazing supergroup that Leslie Mandoki put together. And let me tell you a little bit about this. In 1975, Leslie Mandoki, you know, Mikey, they call him the Hungarian Quincy Jones. I know who that is. (laughs) He and his friends escaped through an active railroad tunnel from dictatorship and censorship into the freedom of the West. And they went over to Germany And he is really proud of having freedom and artistic expression and just the right to be himself musically. Um, the spirit of the seventies when artists were striving for individual virtuosity and musical expression, but also for unlimited and unrestricted individuality and freedom has sparked a lifelong passion in him for socially and politically relevant music with high artistic standards. That was a quote from Leslie Mandoki and he wanted to put together this super group. Now I say super group because it really is a true super group. Um, This is becoming more of a thing these days. We're a bunch of artists that have great respect for each other and are incredibly talented come together to form one big group, which is a super big treat for the audience because we want to see that. We want to see more of that. I know Mikey wants to see more of that.
6: Yes, please.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry you couldn't join me, but I was so excited to get the call to... Get invited up to New York City and join the Mandoki Soulmates during Grammy Week. This was a post Grammy show at the Beacon Theater, and it took place in January, late January of 2018. And it benefits Music Cares, and they all really care about this cause. And they came together to have their very first show in the United States. They've played all over Europe, but they've never been here. And now they've come here. I saw it. It was amazing. And we're going to have to wait and see if they have more shows in the U.S. But in 1992, Ian Anderson and Jack Bruce became founding members of Leslie Mandoki's band, Mandoki Soulmates. And ever since then, they've been rocking it. And they've been uniting a who's who of the icons of Anglo-American and European rock and jazz rock and We got to talk to so many members of this group, but others that we didn't get to talk to that have been featured in this group have included Shaka Khan, Steve Lukather, Greg Lake, Victor Bailey, Paul Carrick. Mm -hmm. Don't even get me started on Paul Carrick. If I would have seen Paul Carrick, (laughs) let's just say I would have snuck away in a suitcase and I would not be here right now. I would be with Paul Carrick because I love him. So, but, you know, so many other people that I greatly admire and love were there. I got to sit down in, uh, in the green room in the back of the Beacon Theater. And this was kind of like a speed dating, but speed interviewing type of process. It was me along with three other members of media. And we all sat at different tables. And these guys went from table to table and did interviews. Well, the first one that came to my table was, An amazing artist who is an original member of Blood, Sweat, and Tears and the Horace Silver Quintet. He's performed with the likes of Stevie Wonder, Bruce Springsteen, Janis Joplin, and he has seven Grammy nominations to his name. Let's take a listen to me talking to Mr. Randy Brecker. All right, backstage pass here at the Mandoki Soulmates New York City post-Grammy show benefiting music hairs. I'm sitting here with Mr. Randy Brecker. So nice to have you on our show.
2: Well, nice to be here.
3: Mandoki Soulmates. You know, it's Grammy week, New York. What a perfect place for the Grammys. How do you guys feel having this be your first US show?
2: Well, we're thrilled about it. You know, we've been together uh, off and on for, gee, uh, 25 years. I think I've known Leslie and worked for him over there in his recording studio, and we've done many shows in Europe. Uh, So it's just a thrill to, of course, bring it back to my hometown. And, uh, and perform for all our friends and uh, fans over here, finally.
3: Do you get to have friends and family come because it is your hometown? Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. I'm having a lot of people come. So you're going to have
3: your own cheering section out there? I certainly the hope
2: so, and they better yell loudly.
3: <laughs> Randy! I'll I'll yell for you too, Randy. Okay, Don't worry. Great. So you've done a lot in your life, and you've been able to tour around with Stevie Wonder, Janice Joplin, Bruce Springsteen. Frank Zappa, who happens yeah. to be from my hometown, uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, that's great. We love a little Frank Zappa. Um, tell us about one of the moments where you had to stop and look down, and you realized you had goosebumps all over your arms, and you didn't believe that this was actually happening to you. Well, how about right him? now? Right now, talking to me right now? No, performing, well, to, performing well, t- tonight, I'm sure, yeah, is t- Tonight,
2: uh, I, I look back on some of the things that, uh, yeah, I look back on my resume. I'm 72 now, I'm glad to admit it. And it, it He does just... not
3: look 72, by
2: the way. Well, thank you so much. I don't feel it either, luckily. But it, uh, it's almost like I'm reading the uh, biography and uh, resume of someone else because all those artists you mentioned, plus many more, I was just thrilled to share the stage with. Uh, they were unique in so many ways, so sorely missed those who have already passed on. The Zappa week was incredible, and we were lucky to uh, have that week. It was the only week my brother and I uh, played with him. We were lucky enough to have that week recorded, live in New York and I hear about that, that album, the CD or whatever you would want to call it now all the time. So many people love that record. So we were thrilled to be there.
3: With it benefiting the Music Cares tonight, um, this is a special one for you guys. Oh
2: yeah, sure. Um, well, can
3: you talk to us a little bit about Music Cares and what it means to you?
2: Well, it does so many things. They raise so much money for so many different causes, helping uh, not only the public, but mainly helping musicians in need helping, uh, you know, it's a tough business. Many uh, musicians get caught up uh, either in, uh, you know, the dark side of the music business and, and uh, not being able to make a living and not having a place to even live. So we're a- a- a thrilled to be a part of uh, Music Cares that does so many different things and has raised millions and millions of dollars for so many great causes.
3: Awesome. And how did you get into music? Tell us that story. Well,
2: quickly, my father was a semi-professional pianist um, from Philadelphia, which was a great music town, particularly when I was growing up in the 50s. There was so much going on jazz-wise, pop music-wise, with uh, Chubby Checker and The Twist, Dick Clark's American Bandstand, which started in Philly, the Philadelphia Orchestra. I had a trumpet teacher from the Philadelphia Orchestra. So many great jazz musicians from John Coltrane and Dizzy Gillespie on to other, man, dozens, hundreds of jazz musicians, so I was uh, among the best. My father was a great piano player and had me uh, learn music from an early age. I started trumpet at the age of uh, eight. My brother started on clarinet and, of course, became very famous <laughs> as a tenor saxophonist in Ewe. Player, and so we had music in our family, and it was just what kept kept us going all these years. I
3: feel you, my friend. You keep it in the family. It's exactly what I'm doing too. I we're love right. it. It's a we're wonderful right. thing. It's a good feeling to have, right? Oh, Keeping sure, it in the family. sure, yeah.
2: Uh, we everyone played something. My sister's still alive, and she plays the harp It was a fine. We had a family band. Mike and I doubled on drums, and she played bass. And she was a pianist, father of piano, and sang. We had, we were pretty darn good. <laughs>
3: When you're driving around in your car, what are you listening to these days? Well, I
2: listen to you know. Unfortunately, the stations are programmed. I uh, you know back in the day, a lot of radio stations played everything. So that was uh, WKCR. I remember played jazz, not maybe not classical, but pop, jazz, rock, funk. Uh, Mostly, I, I, I suppose, in the car. I listen to the jazz station that plays classic jazz, but I also like orchestral music. I like singers, so I'll be switching channels, the Sinatra channel. I like... I have a nine-year-old daughter, so we listen to a lot of the kids' channel. There's some great stuff on there. I like I it. Like right? Everything. You're, are
3: you feeling the kids' bop these days? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, feeling definitely. the kids' bop these days, Randy. Yeah. I mean, they she have a whole all channel tunes. for that. I don't know
2: how they learn Did all you know that, that they're going on tour? Uh, oh, no. I don't know Kids about Bop, Kids'
3: bop, bop this summer going on tour. We're going to go see the show, the kids and I. Are. Okay. I've got well, two correct. little girls myself, so...
2: Oh, great.
3: now your daughter's going to be like dad let's go I let's think go. she
2: does know yeah she mentioned it you're right <laughs> she does know and she knows all the tunes she's quite a good singer at nine on her, on her own yeah. She really great vibrato knows all the little t- twists and turns so they're in the back seat with her friends
3: isn't that fun to listen to
2: it's amazing you know? I love that and, and the, the, the tunes yeah. are all great you know right. and they're well done <laughs> so I'm a fan
3: oh well we're a fan of you thank you so much for coming on our show Making us do little mini
2: okay. interviews.
3: So all right, thank you for like having me. It's speed dating interview-wise. But well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Okay, thanks. Bye bye. And that was one of the world's premier jazz fusion trumpet players, Mr. Randy Brecker. What a pleasure to talk to him. I'm going to play a little snippet of some of his work that he's done, and he's played with our next guy that we interviewed, who is Mr. Bill Evans, a world-class saxophonist and producer who is best known for his work with Miles Davis. He's also played with artists like Greg Allman and Willie Nelson and has earned two Grammy nominations. Quite funny too. Here we go. A little listen to Randy Brecker and Bill Evans, followed by the interview with Bill. right, we're sitting backstage at the Mandoki Soulmate Show. We're talking to Mr. Bill Evans. <coughs> Hello. Saxophonist, producer, known for your work with Miles Davis. you played with Greg Allman, Willie Nelson. Two Grammy nominations. But tonight, it's Grammy week. We just wrapped up the Grammy Awards last night.
1: Grammy New New Awards? City. When was that?
3: Really? <laughs> you missed it. You missed it, when my friend. When music
1: becomes a sporting event.
3: Exactly. Uh, and we're at the Beacon Theater, and we're talking about Mandoki Soulmates. This is your first U.S. show here. What
1: do you mean? Oh, yeah. It's for the first, Soulmates. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's your
3: first U.S. show. Right. So what is the vibe for you tonight? Oh, it's always
1: great playing. You know, it's become a thing where we, know, we all know each other for so many years now. It's, and, uh, and that's kind of the cool thing. It becomes a camaraderie where there's a lot of humor going on, a lot of joking around. And that's uh, a lot of fun. You know, and that's kind of at a certain point in your career you can get a chance to play You know, I'm, I tour with my band almost all the time and I do a couple other different things and then you kind of want to pick and choose the ones that are the most fun and the people you want to be around and so you know, right. that's why it's, it's a lot of fun to do. and it's this.
3: fun to travel with a bunch of people that you highly respect yeah sure and that are your friends and you get to go out to dinner with them I'm, just, I'm assuming and they pick
1: up the tab and they pick
3: up the see isn't that nice it works on your finger yeah. bill oh yeah oh yeah. I love this oh, yeah. this is fantastic great all right, tell me, what was it like working with Greg Allman? I know he passed away. It's a very, very huge loss for the music. You know, maybe. I wish
1: I would have brought it. He made a, he had a special saxophone pin made on a silver chain, and he gave it to me. And He said, you're my favorite saxophone player I've ever played, and he oh, gave it to nice. me. I, I, should, I have should have brought it today. But anyway, it was amazing. You know, he was he was into jazz, and he was into people that could, that could play, and he loved saxophone. And so when I sat yeah, with the Allman was... Brothers about 10 years or so ago, he walked right across the stage the first night, shook my hands, and said, we got to do so much more of this. And um, we became friends. When I went down with my wife a couple years ago. We went on a fishing trip. But he rented a big boat in Savannah. We stayed at his house. And uh, it was awesome. awesome.
3: I heard he was just the most down-to-earth, humble person. Very down-to-earth.
1: We'd sit, we'd sit in his living room and he'd, he'd, he'd sit and sing and play some songs for me and my wife that he's working on or he's thinking about. It was, And then you realize how special the guy really is because you think... These are great songs, and he's really got a message in this song. And you know, you see him transcend just the mellow, laid-back guy to like this guy really has something special. You know, it was really cool. So cool. Yeah.
3: All right. Well, it's no secret. People that know me know that my favorite instrument in the entire world is the saxophone.
1: Well, that's because you're one of the smartest people that would probably (laughs) ever
3: meet. Thank you so much. I have always loved the saxophone from an earlier age, and I, I even tried to play it. I failed miserably. But clearly you didn't. So tell me, how did you get into saxophone playing and what made you stick with it?
1: Um, Well, I grew up a a poor black child in the (laughs) suburb of Detroit. (laughs) And it was part of the thing, playing jazz. No, um, I got into saxophone. It's interesting. Um, My mother took me to a high school jazz band concert when I was in sixth grade. And... I saw one of the saxophone players, because I wanted—I be, was playing piano since I was five years old, and I was going to be a jazz piano player. And then I saw one of the saxophone players get up in front, take a solo. The spotlight was on him. I see the girl who played piano in the big band, almost behind the curtain. You can't even hear her, and I, I'm comparing both. And I'm thinking, the coolest thing is that saxophone. That, right? that is the coolest thing. So... I told my mother, I looked at her and I said, that's exactly what I want to do, right there. She says, but you're, you're a piano player. I said, not anymore. I said, I'll play piano, but I'm gonna, I want to do that. That's how I, as I get into it. I never had to be convinced to practice or play it. So they got me a saxophone and I just I just liked it. And I got really into it. And I got focused on it when I was young. I did everything all the other kids did, but I also did that and I never stopped. And, and someone said, when did you decide to, be, to do it professionally whatever? I never decided anything. It's just something I always did. If you have to make that decision, it's not for you, you know. If you have to decide, it's not your thing.
3: So I have twin 11-year-old girls, okay, and they're about to enter sixth grade. And they're in those formative years now. One picked the viola and one picked the clarinet. We have a lot of squeaks going on. That'll happen. Any um, <laughs> suggestions for youngsters in yeah. elementary school just starting well, out? Well, for you,
1: earplugs,
3: yes. headphones, <laughs> no, <I know>. quiet <laughs> comforts <laughs> are
1: good. I have Um,
3: a lot of um, alcohol, and I have some Tylenol as well. Yeah, you're good. That helps,
1: okay? No, yeah. My recommendation is you let them do their thing. You can't force anybody to like something. It's like you can't force somebody to like chicken, you know? I mean, they are or they're not. It's the same with music. They're going to excel at it if they want to. And a lot of times, most of the time, they don't go on from there. But that's the way it is. You know what I mean? You can't say, hey, you have to practice a half hour a day. Then it becomes work, a job, and not fun anymore. If it's something they, they continue on with, it's because they wanted to. That's the only way.
3: One more question for you. Okay. Then we have to wrap up. Biggie. Get... My favorite question to ask people is what is that moment when you look down and you see that you have goosebumps all up and down your arms and you're realizing, that you have I poison can't believe in that. no this is happening right now. Like, this is my life. What goosey moment have you had?
0: All right, then. I'll speak it in this particular way.
1: <laughs> no. No. Um, Very early on, speaking of Miles, there's a bunch of moments like that, but um, the first time it happened, when I was playing Avery Fisher Hall, the first major concert with Miles Davis, and I was 22 or 23 or something, back in 1981, and we're playing, and all these famous people came up before the show, it's this big comeback, we played in Boston the week before, but now we're in New York, it's a huge hall, and I stood on stage, I was playing my first solo, I see Miles Davis to my right, the lights are on me, I see him. Huge, three or four thousand people, mm-hmm. and I'm playing, and I thought that one instant, I, you can't—I I mean, check it out what's happening right now. It was like a, a key. This is now moment, and you know, you kind of always try to shoot for those, you know, that they get those. Or where you write new music for a band of yours, and. I've always been sort of on the edge doing different things and, and all of a sudden the stuff that you had in your head, the songs you had in your head, you didn't know what was going to happen, how they were going to work and all of a sudden they're working. An audience is into it, a festival's into it, you're standing out there with this new music, there's the people, there's the band, there's, you know, and all of a sudden it all connects, it all meets, the zenith, you know, mm-hmm. those moments will hit you. We we're sort of always sort of waiting for that next moment. You know.
3: Aren't they fun to have though? Hmm? Gotta have more goosies in life. Yeah, exactly. Bill Evans, thank you so much for coming on our show. Nice to meet you. Greatly appreciate it. My pleasure. Well, there was one of the greatest jazz and fusion saxophonists in the world and funny guy, and a pleasure to talk to Mr. Bill Evans. He is known to rock his signature bandana around his head on stage. I guess that's a little sweat catcher for him. Well, we've got Chris Thompson coming up next, and Chris holds a permanent spot in rock history as the vocalist of Manfred Mann's Earth Band, who is best known for the 1976 number one single, Blinded by the Light. He has continued to work with some of the biggest artists in the world, whether it be songwriting, performing, or lending a hand in the studio. Here's my chat with Chris. All right, so I am sitting backstage at the Mandoki Soulmates show in New York City with the one and only Chris Thompson of Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. Thank you. Okay, so Mandoki Soulmates' first U.S. show. It's in New York. It's Grammy Week. What is the vibe going on?
4: Well, I think everybody's pretty excited, of course, mm-hmm. and it's uh, for me. It's great to be at the Beacon Theatre because I first played here in 1975, which makes me sound very old, which of course I am. Wow. But uh, no, it's it's um, no. Everybody's very excited. Always excited to come to New York.
3: Of course, because it's New York Absolutely. and it's Grammy Week and it's benefiting Music Cares. Yeah. And you know, why why now? Why was the why was the time now the good time to do it?
4: Well, I'm not probably the person to ask about that. I think possibly because it's for the Music Cares um, organization, and I guess that happens around Grammy Week. So I suppose it's nothing more special than that.
3: Right. What have the rehearsals been like? Because I know you guys have been here for what a week now.
4: Um, Well, I've only actually been here for a couple of days. No rehearsals are good. We've done a lot of shows just recently, so um, rehearsals were fairly easy.
3: Where have the shows been? Have you guys been touring Um, the world?
4: We played in Paris. We played in uh, London. We played in Berlin. We played in um, Budapest. And uh, where else did we play? I can't remember. But those were the main, the main um, areas that we did, and we did a lot of rehearsal for those. So this is just kind of. It's not tacked on the end, but, you know, it came at the end of those shows. So.
3: If it turns out to be a really good vibe, which I'm going to just tell you, I, I went and I was sneaking a peek at the ticket sales. It's really doing well. Good. I mean, there were only a few seats left when good. I looked several good. days ago. Good. So that's an amazing um, response and is. acceptance here for you guys. It is. Um, if you guys get this kind of embrace tonight from New York, do you think maybe other U.S. dates are going to follow?
4: I'm sure if... Um, if people think it's a viable proposition then they will I'm sure.
3: I mean it's a super group to be honest mm. and it's com- it's composed of so many different talents mm. from so many different bands and who doesn't want to see that? Mm. I mean I was really excited to get the call to come here because I, I really do admire all of you and you're so incredibly talent- talented and then to put that on stage and be together what is that like? Just just looking over to your left, and you've got you know somebody over from Supertramp, and you've got over here somebody from Toto, and and you're just on stage, just jamming and you've got out. Bill
4: Evans and, um, and Randy Brecker. I, mean, I know. For me, that's that's also very fantastic. All of them. Yeah.
3: All of you, mm-hmm. an incredible talent. What is that like being on stage and just they're all your friends, right? Yeah, they
4: are. Yeah. yeah. It's like well, a we, brotherhood. We, yeah. Well, we, we we I don't think I would have met Bill if it hadn't been for. The Mandoki soulmates we wouldn't have met each other. Same with Randy, I guess. I mean, we may have, perhaps may have crossed, but mm-hmm. I think I've known Bill and Randy now for twenty years, I think. So it's fantastic. It's fantastic, and and we're all very happy when we can do a show, because we are friends, and and, and that 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 really is what it's like on the stage, real friends.
3: Does it make touring more fun? When you're traveling with people that you really like, truly yeah, of course. like and admire, of course. you guys get to go out, give people kind of a glimpse, because people listening to this really don't really get the gist of it. I see sometimes posted on social media now, and that's the beautiful thing about social media, is you get more of a glimpse into the superstar's lifestyle, and you go and you see pictures of you guys having dinner together in New York City, mm. and you really do get together mm. off stage, yeah, right? Yeah,
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It is. So, Blinded by the Light is all over classic rock radio, and Mm. I know because I'm a Baltimore radio personality Mm. and I'm on 100.7 The Bay, Baltimore's classic Mm -hmm. rock. We probably play that song at least twice a day.
6: Fantastic. If not more, (laughs) if
3: not more. (laughs) Well, that's good to hear. Because it's it's in heavy, heavy rotation. Mm. That being said, how do the royalties shake out of that? Does it usually go to the publishing or do you get a performer? Well, it's
4: a Bruce Springsteen song, so Bruce gets the publishing. Um, luckily now there's organisations that collect performances for radio play. It took a long, it took a long time in America. Um, it's been happening in in um, Europe and England for quite a while. There's two or three organisations, but now um, starting. To think of, yeah, well, it's 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 after and SAG now collect um, performances. So that's fantastic. That's been something that happened. Oh, when did it start? I would say. 5 or 6 years ago. And so that's been it's been great.
3: And it feels so good probably to know yeah. that you're just out there every it, single day.
4: It is. I have I have friends that live in uh, California. They all send me a text when they hear somebody playing it. <laughs> so I get a couple a day.
3: I'm sure you get a couple sure so you get many it, a day. It's
4: nice. It's it's really nice. It's nice to know that people that it's still played. Because there's lots of other songs that aren't still
3: played, of course. Absolutely. And we love to hear it. It seems that whomever I interview, and I just talked to you about this a little bit ago, that there's always a tie to Michael McDonald. And you co-wrote and you sang backing on No Stopping Us Now with Mike for Doobie Brothers' album. Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy writing or performing more? I'm just curious.
4: Oh, well, it's hard to say I enjoy writing and I enjoy touring. I mean, the band I was in, called Night, we actually toured with the Doobie Brothers for nine months. That's how I got to know when... when, um, when Michael, what's was the name of the album the first, but very, very successful album. I hit it when I can't remember something. Um, that had taken it, to, taken it to the streets. What did it have <laughs> Not that one. What, what's, oh, well, anyway, the, the, when Michael joined, they had a fantastically successful album. It's stupid, I can't remember it. Um, and, uh, yeah, we toured with him for nine months. So that's how I met Michael. And I also wrote with Pat Simmons, Yes. And I saw the other day they were in Europe and, and uh, I think performing live must just over writing because the thing about writing is the beginning of right when you you know the inspiration we call it that's like 20% and the other 80% is you know hard work whereas gig I mean it with gig everything to do with the gig is quite hard work traveling is hard work rehearsals hard work setting up, waiting and all that kind of stuff. But actually doing the gig starts at the beginning and you get to the end and it's very rewarding.
3: Very rewarding, i So I'm I think sure. that yes. has to have it overriding. Tell us what you're up to outside of Mandoki Soulmates. What can we expect to see from you in the next couple of months, um, maybe years? next
4: couple of months. Um, I have my own band, a, a bunch of Norwegian musicians. We just go under Chris Thompson and we've been playing in Europe for 15 years together and we, we've got a lot of really good concerts coming up um, in Germany and Scandinavia. We're um, even, even we've been going to Greece nice. to play. Um, so we play kind of everywhere. Um, and I'm working with my wife on a musical, which I've been working for for a very long time. And um, we're now getting to the last I guess year and a half of that so that's what <laughs> mainly I'm doing outside is is writing we're writing we're doing everything we're writing the script we're writing the we've written the script we've written 21 songs can we're, you give
3: us maybe just a little bite of what it's about
4: can I give you a little bite of what it's about um without well, giving
3: the whole thing away because I don't want to ruin it for
4: you no, no no I can't give the whole thing away <laughs> well it's it's um it's very hard. Well, it's about seven notes that mm-hmm. create some magic. And uh, not all magic is good. Oh. Let's put it that way. Oh. So uh, it's, um, yeah, and it's about um, a 21-year-old girl and her boyfriend who grow up very quickly because of something that they do. Oh. And, um, Yeah it's kind of set now. It's not a period piece or anything. It's set now and it's um yeah. That's pretty much a snippet of it. Like.
3: Okay, you heard it first here. This is what <laughs> you can expect to see. I want to see this musical now. I'm excited and very incredibly intrigued by it. So
4: But it's called Do It for Love. That's what it's called.
3: Do It for Love. Mm. Okay. All right. We're looking forward to it. Thank me, you. Me too. <laughs> thank you so much for being My on pleasure. our show. Love having you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that was Chris Thompson. You know, Ian Anderson once said during a session at Mandoki Studio that Chris Thompson is the Pavarotti of rock music. And it's kind of clear to see why. Well, we've got John Helliwell up next. He's a staple member of the group Super Tramp. John has played saxophone, keyboard, and clarinet off and on for the group for the past four decades. I could listen to him talk all day, ladies and gentlemen, because his voice is delicious. Give a listen.
0: Testing, testing. One two. Testing one
3: two. There we go. You got me. I got you. Okay.
0: Very clever. Clever stuff. All by (laughs) yourself. Well done.
3: I was taught well. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you why. Backstage pass at the Mandoki Soulmates Backstage Press Hour. Mr. John Hellowell. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Really appreciate it. You are backing vocals woodwind and super saxophonist super Tramp.
0: yes for we are many years so
3: happy to have you Huge
0: thank fan. You. thank
3: you okay so tonight beacon theater mandoki soulmates it's grammy week first u.s show for mandoki soulmates yes yes what's your vibe tonight
0: i love to come to new york i don't come often enough Um, I used to live in the States, actually in Los Angeles, but I used to come to uh, New York more often, but I moved back to the UK, so I don't come here very often. And usually with Leslie, we play in Europe, so uh, it's the first one, as you said. Uh, It's quite exciting. It's an exciting place, so I wouldn't like to live here, but I love to visit.
3: Well, I've been to your part of the woods, too, and I loved it over there in the UK, I would like to live there.
0: Well, I went back. Because yeah. I was living in California for 17 years, and so I needed a bit of reality, so I went back to England. <laughs> Better beer.
3: Yeah, you're on the wrong coast if you want reality. you got to stick to this East Coast. Yes, then you have yeah, the reality. That's it, that's it. All right, so in between your songs, the tramp shows, you MC, you tell jokes. Is this something that comes easy to you, or are you just a natural jokester, and do you have a favorite joke to get the audience riled up?
0: No, I don't. I'm not actually a comedian at all, but... Nobody else wanted to make announcements with Supertramp. And when we started off, it, it was very serious. We were doing this uh, project, an album called Crime of the Century, and the songs are quite serious. So it seemed like whenever there was a little break, the crowd needed maybe a little bit of relief. And I just say whatever comes into my head. Uh, and so sometimes it, it's good, sometimes it's it's mediocre. But they, they just needed that little break from, from the... The, the tenseness of the of the music so it was just fell upon me to be the announcer but uh, i quite enjoyed it
3: i don't mind listening to you your voice is lovely oh well thank you the accent's beautiful i could listen to that all day so in 1987 you decided to play on pink floyd's a momentary lapse of reason
0: yes and they spelt my name wrong they on did the cover. spell your
3: name wrong yes what did David Gilmore do to uh, make that up to you? Did he send you a fruit basket?
0: I don't. Th- I, st- I don't know whether he some, knows some or not. Scones. No, but uh, what had happened was that David played on our album a, f- uh, a few, a couple of months before. Yes, brother, uh, where you bound? Brother, where you bound? Yeah, yes. and then so he asked me to play on that. There's three saxophone players on that album, so uh, and we're not actually. Oh, I know. We're not actually designated as to who did what, but I, I can I can tell which is mine.
3: One of them is Mr. Scott Page.
0: Yes, Scott. Who
3: I interviewed in August. Oh, did you? Yeah, he's a great guy. Is he
0: still playing?
3: He is still playing. Yeah. He actually played at Nam with my dear friend, Kenny Lee Lewis of the Steve Miller Band. Oh. And they were just at, um, I want to say, Hard Rock Cafe or, no, House of Blues, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. House of yeah, Blues. yeah. And they did this, you know, and it's like there's this few different super groups out there and they get a bunch of different band members together and... I mean, isn't that a beautiful thing that there are all these super groups now? Yeah, it's good. You know, more people come out and they're like, oh, we like that one and we like that one and we know this one. And, and you get to hang out with your buddies and jam.
0: It's nice. It's good for the public and it's good for the musicians too. This, this band's great because there's so many good musicians and singers. And-
3: Let's talk about Soundcheck because um, I grew up going to Soundchecks my whole life because my dad is the sound guy. Oh,
6: right.
3: And when you guys... When you're with when you're with Supertramp and you're doing your sound check for your yeah. shows, that's different. But when you guys are all together doing Mandoki Soulmates sound check, do you guys ever look over at each other and you realise you're learning something from somebody else on that stage?
0: All the time.
3: Because it's like yeah. kinda newer.
0: All the time. Listening to, for example, listening to Randy Brecker playing, it's just it's lovely. And I sit I stand sit next to Bill Evans too, mm-hmm. which is lovely. And Till Bronner. Uh, there would be those four of us uh, tonight. Yeah, it's, it's it's real good and it's inspirational, and we seem to be good friends, you know.
3: I asked that question because a lot of people think just um, musicians that have been around forever in a day. You would think that they know everything, but in reality, Ooh, you no. never stop learning, no, especially no, no. from your peers. Correct. The,
0: the problem is with learning it's like an island. When you first start off, your knowledge is like a small island. So the circumference of that island might be just two or three miles, you know, as an analogy. But as you know more and more and more, the island gets bigger. So the circumference of what you don't know gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So there's miles and miles of coastline now that I've got to catch up on. So we'll never stop learning. And, And the good thing about this too is that um, no one has an ego problem with this band, you know, so there's no... Right,
3: you're all so incredibly humble.
0: Well, it, yeah, I think it's because most of the people are, are, are quite at ease with what they do, you know, even though they've got a lot to learn, they, they're at ease with what they play.
3: That's a beautiful thing to see, and you can tell when you're sitting in the audience and you're watching a show like that when the people are egotistical or humble and yeah. i'm very excited to see that all of you being humble on that stage tonight well, I hope that's going to be a beautiful it. show yeah. Yeah. what do you have coming up me what projects do you have Oh,
0: i have my own group which is called creme Anglaise, which is british musicians and we just do a few gigs in a year every year i've got a gig in a couple of weeks just in a, a small town in the north of england I have a tour in Germany um, with uh, Jesse Siebenberg, the the, uh, son of Bob Siebenberg, the the drummer with Supertramp. Mm -hmm. Jesse is a multi-instrumentalist singer. Myself and Jesse are going to play on this show in Germany that's running through April called Rock Meets Classic. And there's various people on that tour that come together. It's a bit, it's not like the Soulmates, but it's a bit like that, different people. Francis Rossi for example from status quo is is on this show Fine. so that'll be good and then I have a recording project which I'm um, in this place it's, it's mental at the moment it hasn't um, it hasn't come to fruition but later this year he's probably doing um saxophone and string quartet album wow That's with me playing the saxophone of course not not the strings
3: let me just tell you um, everybody who knows me knows that my favorite instrument is the saxophone Oh, good. And in my house with my daughters, on Sunday mornings when we make pancakes, I put on saxophone music. So you tell me, you message me when you put that album out because I'd like to play that in my house.
4: It's a
6: deal.
3: Okay, it's All a right. deal. It's a deal. <laughs> Thank you for coming on our show. You're welcome. And we're excited to see you on stage tonight. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. Oh, I love talking to John Hellowell. What a good guy. He's played with Pink Floyd, The Who, The Doors, and Jimi Hendrix. Next time, I promise. I'm gonna dive into that just a little bit more. Well, up next, we've got one of the wonderful frontman former frontman of the band toto it's bobby kimball beyond his work with the group kimball has continued working on many musical side projects including touring with michael mcdonald and the bohemian symphony orchestra prague respectively and he has a lot of things that he's working on he's going to tell us all about it here and we have the incredible bobby kimball from toto thank you my friend for coming on our show Great to have and
5: you. I wish I was in Toto still, but <laughs> I'm not. But I'm playing with nine bands around the world about 200 or 250 days a year. I love that.
3: You're a busy bee, Bobby. Yeah.
5: But I was just telling you uh, about yes. about when I was working with Bill Champlin. Yes. And the producers that, that came into the studio when we were doing some of the first songs with Toto for the first Toto album, the producers yes. were asking... One or two of the guys to come and play on on a, a new album for a new artist. Well, about eight of them asked me after I came out of the vocal room singing some of the stuff, some of the songs. They asked me if I would come and do some background vocals. Well, told them absolutely I will. You know, I, I love I love music so much. But I said, and I love doing anything. If there's Toto guys on there, I would absolutely adore that. I always loved playing anything or singing anything with Toto. That's a wonderful band. And Anyhow, when when I went to the very first one, and I was going to go to several, but when I went to the very first one, there was a guy there named Bill Champlin. I met him there, and we had to triple track or, or... uh, I'm sorry. No, we had to, we had to three-track, triple-track every line of three-part or four-part harmony for courses.
3: Because they didn't have Pro Tools.
5: They did not have Pro Tools.
3: and You had to do everything double. We, or triple.
5: Uh, no, four times. Four times. Quadruple. Uh, yeah, yeah, we had to make each line at least three times, triple-track. Oh, my God. And doing doing a really long long line for the chorus, we had to do it again, and then do it again, and then do another harmony. Uh, one, two, three. Uh, but me and Bill would would be working for so many hours on one song because they didn't have Pro Tools, they could not cut and paste that the the first chorus that we sang they couldn't cut and paste it cut and paste it maybe cut and pasted it the last time and then the outro the intro it we would spend so many hours doing the background vocals and I, my god all at the beginning for about a month i was with bill every time i went to do some background vocals he was he was hired already and and, uh, sometimes he would call me and let me know that you got to come well and we were a duet but I told Bill because we are doing six to eight hours on a song because you know they can't cut and paste I didn't even know about that but the deal is I told him I said we need to get another singer with us that will help a lot yes you know who we got um, Michael McDonald.
3: Michael McDonald. I was going to say that, and it's funny. I have that in my notes.
5: And he yes. is is one of my favorite in the world. Such a wonderful you know, guy. No, I
3: sat with Michael in November. He my is. My well, brother. Is you his, know he's wonderful. My brother then. is his tour manager. Yeah. My brother really? is his tour manager.
5: Oh my god.
3: So I'm going to see Michael on February 9th in West Virginia, and I'm going to give him a Bobby Kimball hug.
5: Well, I absolutely adore how he plays and sings and how he is as a person.
3: He's so humble.
5: Oh, and his num his phone number changed. I don't have it anymore.
3: I'll get it for you, Bobby. I'll get it you for you. You would be
5: one of my favorite people. I'll if get you, did you I'll get you the phone number. I absolutely adore Michael McDonald. I will
3: get we're gonna talk after this interview. But let me ask you a question, okay? Yes. Well, let me let me stay on the Bill Champlin thing for a second. Yeah. You've been friends for, what, you said over 40 years? You've been friends with Bill Champlin?
5: Over 40 years, for sure.
3: Talk to me about, we've got something coming up on May 26th in Florida, Rock Pack, which is Bill Champlin, you, Kevin from Journey, and John from Kansas. So you sang 40 plus years ago with Bill Champlin, coming around oh, in God, 2018 yeah. singing with Bill Champlin. Yes, yes. This is a long but- career Staying friends and singing together. I've already done
5: a concert here in in 2018 with Bill.
3: And with Bill. Yes. It's so much fun to be able to reconnect and stay connected and work together.
5: Well, he only lives five blocks from my house. I go over there. His his wife is a wonderful singer. Her name is Tamara.
3: Yes, Tamara. And and I'm going to see her on Friday, too.
5: Me and my wife went over a, a couple of times since 2018 started for dinner. And they come over to my house every now and then. And I love, I love hanging out with Bill. He's such an amazing guy. Oh. And he helped me record some of the things for the movie that I wrote. Yes. Yes. The movie I wrote is called Tanner's Song. Yes. And tomorrow when I get home, the producer, who is also the screenplay writer, he is coming to my house and we're going to get the date. That we will film the movie.
3: Oh, nice. Oh,
5: my God. So that's I can't what wait. we have
3: to look forward to coming up from you is this movie. Right? Coming up, you have this movie. Yes, okay? absolutely. And you have this Rock Pack show coming up.
5: I do. I do. So, if you don't know this, the yeah. owner of the Rock Pack yes. is a guy named Kevin Demers. Yes. He is from Fort Myers, Florida. And... He is one of the most fantastic people I've ever met. Oh. And he hires me for every show he books. Oh, is that and nice? There's normally four or five singers he hires. And not not the same singers every time, but most of the time. And always he hires me.
3: Because you're feeling the love, Bobby. You're feeling the but love. He,
5: he is one of my best friends. And every time I go down to Florida, I stay at his house. It is so fantastic. So fun. Oh, so fantastic. And his house is about the size of a junior high school. (laughs) I'm serious. It is so huge. Do
3: you have your own guest wing when you stay there? My
5: guest wing? Yeah.
3: Do you have your own wing in his house? You mean room? Yeah. (laughs) Not wing. No, wing.
5: I don't have a wing. I have a room. you should
3: have a wing. (laughs) He really likes you. I would request having your own wing.
5: I can do anything at his house. Oh, and he's got this... So incredible grand piano down on the first floor.
3: Oh, jam and sessions And it is so galore. fun for
5: me because I've been playing piano since, since I was four and a half years old. Right. My God.
3: Oh, my gosh. So we have to wrap up. But thank you so much. Not a problem. Well, that's Bobby. And he became world famous as a singer and founding member of Toto with his distinctive vocals and many of their mega hits, including Africa, Rosanna, And hold the line, with a total of six Grammys, he is one of the most successful and well-known singers of our time. Well, coming up, we've got one of my favorites, I have to say. I loved talking to him, and he's always been uh, a favorite of mine for as long as I can Remember, because I've listened to him forever and a day, he's best known for his vocals in the band Cutting Crew and for writing one of the most successful power ballads of our time. I just died in your arms tonight. We're taking it 80s, baby. Here is, from Cutting Crew, Mr. Nick Van Eed. Okay, Mandoki Soulmates backstage at the Beacon Theater in New York City with backstage cast. And I have to be honest, when I got this call, I was super excited to sit with my next guest. It's Nick Van Eed of Cutting Crew. Thank you for coming on my show.
6: Thank you. It's a, it pleasure. Is a
3: pleasure to have you. Um, first time, be Soulmates in the United States. Tell me about the vibe you're feeling tonight being in New York.
6: Um, being in New York was oh, so special. You know, I haven't been for a while, it's been about four or five years. I've been doing this now for 10 years with us a lot, and, um, and there's always Americans in the band. You know, some big New Yorkers, Randy, Brett, Bill Evans, and so on. Corey, too. Corey? Yeah. Yes. So now, um, and I play America a lot with Cutting Crew. So to do this suddenly, sorry, at last in, in America, is very important. It's going to be an odd one, you know? It's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a show like you've never seen before, it's, it's a spectacular show. And it'll confuse people at times. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. And, and and it'll win you eventually. But it's very very European concept. This kind of putting together all kinds of different different things. You know, I, I, you, I don't mean it unkindly at all. But American radio, for example, is very branded, isn't very. You know. No, it is this, absolutely. This, you, know, you don't offend
3: me by saying that one bit. You don't get Fleetwood Mac on
6: the country radio. You don't get you know that sort of stuff.
3: Absolutely. You know? This is
6: going to be a, a a brilliant mishmash. I
3: love a mishmash. It's good. Good and, word as well. and it's a great thing to have supergroups because um, people get to see so much that they usually wouldn't see. Yeah. And I heard I heard that this is a three-hour show. Am I correct on that?
6: It's, it's <laughs> going to be three hours, darling. Yeah. We're, we're going to be giving out sandwiches <laughs> halfway through.
3: Good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Let me give you my tickets to show you where I'm sitting because I like one Listen, of those because I'm going to be I'll hungry. throw one out. Yeah. Yes, please. Um, at 18, you started touring. And I found it really funny when I was reading through your bio. Um, you took a kazoo with you. Can you tell <laughs> yeah. me about that kazoo?
6: Well, that's common parlance in America, is it a kazoo? Yeah. yeah. okay. Some countries don't know what that is. Um, well, I had so many songs that I was writing. You, you know, even... I was writing from 14 and... Uh, I was always just the guy in the corner with the acoustic guitar and i was so frustrated so if there was a, a sax part that i'd written the kazoo played it if there was a lead guitar solo the kazoo played it so it probably sounded pretty awful but it it did show it it, it, it allowed me to not write small you know uh, As co- but unfortunately has a kind of comedy tag the kazoo you know
3: that's fascinating but
6: um yeah I actually found a picture just the other day with me on stage supporting a big British band called Slade, who went on to write things like, Come on, Feel the Noise, you know, right. and um, all kinds of And uh, I've got the Telecaster, the rock stuff, and a kazoo in my mouth. So, pretty odd combination. Crazy. Thanks for digging that one up. Oh,
3: I had to dig that one up. I was not going to let you live that one down. <laughs> Cutting Crew had a number one hit in 19 countries and here in the U.S., I Just Died in Your Arms was so well-received by me as well, because I love that song. But personally, um, I've, I've always loved, I've been in love before. Ah. I, I really, that one resonated with me when I was a youngster. Yeah. And I never imagined in my wildest dreams that one of my favorite songs I would be sitting and in interviewing it's Maker. And this is exciting for and me. And we're
6: singing it tonight. We're singing a lovely version of it. Yay! Um, we... I just spoke to somebody else about this. That I am um, so excited. <laughs> she's so excited. <laughs> um, we do a lot of touring with other 80s bands that when you, when they play their hits, it's exactly the same as it was in 1984 or 5 or 6. And they've got lots of samples and sequences to make it sound even better. And it's good, but I find it frankly boring. I would never stray too far from the original, but at least kick it up a little bit for whatever, you know, just to keep it fresh for me and for you. So um I just died in your arms uh, has a whole new front with me playing acoustic guitar I've been in love before it's a beautiful piano ballad and then the band kicks in big so oh, I love it's, it. um, yeah it's, it's you gotta keep it fresh you've got to, you got it or you go crazy it's, it's 30 years you know it's 30 years and to yeah. do it the same way uh, would, but not disrespectfully
3: right yeah? you because don't change it too much I, I feel like if people change it too much, um, sometimes people get angry. Yeah, totally. They do because they're expecting to go and hear what they want to hear, what yep. they're programmed to hear. And uh, I, I am guilty of that. Sometimes um, I have gotten upset, like walking out of the show, going, "But, but, but that's but that I wanted to how, hear yeah. it the way that I that it was intended." But I love the artistic ability to be able to change things up and introduce people to a new ear of it. Yeah. And hear it in a different way. And that's beautiful. Hey,
6: it's not a hip-hop version. And hey, it's not... If it, if it was worse... If it were, I would it, want to videotape exactly. the
3: whole thing. And we would be putting it on YouTube. And it would get 10 million blasts. Yeah, because exactly, people yeah. would think yeah. it would be really
6: funny. <laughs> as long as it's better. That's my thing. So if it's a better version, that's fine. And I'm not an idiot. So there you go.
3: Well, to me, I have to say, I don't know how much better you can get. Because it was just a perfect song. As well, well, it was. Take that as a lovely compliment. Yes. Yes. Wow. I want to go to... Um, I want to go to a, a question that I ask people all the time. It's my favorite question to ask people. When you all of a sudden stop and look down and see that you have goosebumps all up and down your arms, what has been a goosey moment for you in your career? <laughs> I want the goosey moment. moment. The goosey moment.
6: Okay, yeah, I've got a good one. Um, I've been doing it a long time now. Radio City Music Hall, you know, with Starship was pretty cool. Johnny Carson's show was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. On his birthday, with Joe Piscopo, as his name was on the, with yes. him, you know, so it was like 70 million people or something watched right. it. Um, but what beats all of that is a musical moment, and that was playing in Germany. Um, the first time ever I wore what we call in ear monitors. Yeah, you know about
3: this. I you know, know all know about it. But for, for the
6: interview people, it's when you don't, when you put headphones in your ear, so you hear everything beautifully. Now, I'm an old rocker, and still now I choose to use wedges, you know, to, to hear the room. Nice. But we had to use them that night, and there was a symphony orchestra backing me, and it was, i have been in love before. Oh, yeah. And I remember singing, catch my breath, close my eyes. And then the strings came in, and I was like...
3: <laughs>
6: yeah, it was oh, that's astonishing. so cool. Yeah. I love that. That's
3: a great Goosey moment. I'm yeah. getting Goosey just thinking about it. I nearly missed
6: it. my second verse because of that. Right. Wow. wow. That was cool. Yeah. I love that.
3: When um, when Nick Van Ead is off tour and you've traveled the world and you just want to hang out, besides music, what do you dabble in? Hmm.
6: Um, my wife and I, uh, I have a daughter, beautiful daughter, um, but my wife and I didn't have kids. We couldn't have kids. So we gave up respectfully about, you know, 15 years ago. And so we've been our avid dog lovers. So we have greyhound, rescue greyhounds who get kicked out on the streets after they've been, you know, raced, it's a really odd thing. You know, mm-hmm. greyhounds become these beautiful animals that these trainers make money out of, and then suddenly kick them on the streets. So we rescue them, right. and we find homes for them as well, for, and give it's them amazing. away to other people. So we live near the beach down in Sussex in England, and so dogs, 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 and dogs. That would be number one.
3: I'll be visiting soon. I'm booking my airfare. <laughs> Tell me the address. I'll be there. I love dogs.
6: Yeah. These are greyhounds or. What's another breed is called a lurcher, which is the French lacher, which means to steal. And they were the um, the uh, poacher's dogs. And they are half greyhound and half anything hairy. So we have a dog called Riley who's like a hairy greyhound.
3: That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I'd like to see a picture of that. <laughs> yeah,
6: we'll, uh, we'll do some kind of thing in a minute. Yes, yeah.
3: Yeah, very cool. Well, this is my. Um,
6: we're going to do dog now. We're going to do dogs. Yeah, so doing dogs. This it's is came- my
3: Georgie girl named after the seeker song in the of 60s hey, hey there, there georgie girl. girl i'm singing i'm singing with nick Manny and i'm yeah. my, my absolute favorite she she right looks now she's a she's a puggle she's a pug and a beagle
6: a, a puggle is that a, a real it
3: is a real thing it's a puggle, oh, a puggle. and it's and it's uh, it's it's georgie girl i love this
6: and a more exotic uh, answer would be i love to scuba dive so yes. if you took me anywhere that wasn't freezing cold i would be scuba diving wow that's because it's the only medium where I find, you know, I, my whole world is ears, you know, ears and throats, that's singing and listening and producing, and when you're underwater, it's just that. Yes. And I love
3: that. Yes. It, it's
6: actually. So it's scuba
3: diving. Very
6: cool. But not scuba diving with dogs, that would be a little... Have you ever
3: tried to sing underwater?
6: It's a stupid thing to do. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Good answer. Gets, I was gets, trying to fool gets, you with that. It gets very messy. <laughs> I was trying to. I was trying to mess with you with that. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. Sure. Um, I, my life is made today. I'm well, so incredibly Enjoy the show tonight. Happy.
6: You will. And, um, I'm looking um, forward to it. I'll keep a sandwich for you for around about two hours in. Yeah.
3: Seriously. See? Tell him where I'm sitting. He's going to chuck me a sandwich. <laughs> I said
6: this show is so long. We've got sandwiches for the, for the presser. I
3: love it. I love it. Thank you. Okay. Thank nice you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too.
6: Yeah, if you hold on, I'll show you a picture of my goals.
3: Oh, I love talking to Nick Van Ede. What a good guy. He was funny and charming. And I know his daughter was not feeling well. And I know that he canceled a bunch of shows coming up. But he still made the trek to New York City from the U.K., to be a part of Mandoki Soulmates. And for more than 10 years, he has been one of the principal singers in the Soulmates. His charismatic and powerful voice has graced many Mandoki songs on the Soulmates albums during numerous Mandoki concerts around the world. Nick Van Eed has been an essential feature. I could tell you right now, I saw the show and he is a very big part of that. And uh, really, really great to see on stage and hear him live. Oh, his voice is just fantastic. So that was such a fun experience to have besides these guys, I got a chance to say hello to Mark Hart. He's played with Crowded House and Supertramp. And Corey Henry, he's had a couple of Grammy Awards as well. And um, he's an incredible uh, organ player and piano player. And he's played with Michael McDonald as well. And we've got uh, Klaus Daldinger, and he's one of the most prominent and successful jazz musicians in Germany. And Till Bronner, also the trumpet player, uh, along with Klaus, one of the most important jazz ambassadors of Germany throughout the world. So it is an honor to be able to sit down with these guys, kind of get the scoop. And then, you know, later that evening, I was able to go to the show. The Beacon Theater is a beautiful place. I hear that they've hosted the Tony Awards. That's what I was told. But it was a lot of fun to be able to uh, hang out with these guys and take some pictures with them and just hear how they're faring in this band. And let me tell you something super groups. This is the way, man, you get to see a bunch of people up there with incredible talent that you have great respect for. Trust me, search out super groups in your area because you're going to want to check them out. So thanks again for joining us. And we will be back with another episode soon. This was a fun one for sure, Mandoki Soulmates. And here is a little taste of what Mandoki Soulmates sounds like.
0: This is a big-timing comedy production.
1: backstage with Backstage Pass and Meredith Marks. Now get your ass off the tour box.